Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage, the podcast about those New Hampshire bills that don't make the news but still could impact you. We give you the unbiased facts, pros and cons, and tell you how to get involved in the democratic decision-making in Concord. I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. And Anna, I'm not totally sure today's bill qualifies as lesser known. I mean, we're talking about issues of racism and policing. It seems like that was one of the biggest issues that came out of 2020, right? I mean, we can't forget the coronavirus or the uh, massive yes. controversies around voting laws. But but yes, yes, after police officer Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd in Minnesota, Governor Sununu formed a commission to evaluate criminal justice reforms, and there were a lot of related bills proposed in 2021. All right, well, let's jump right into this today. Uh, we're going to be talking about SB 114, and that's a bill to require law enforcement officers to complete training in de-escalation, ethics, implicit bias, and cultural diversity. So, Anna, what's the background on this bill? So SB 114 was originally introduced to address discrimination, particularly at stakes parks, kind of a totally different angle. So among other things, the bill would have created a database of racist attacks and other civil rights violations in publicly accessible areas. The Senate debated the concept of quote unquote verbal violence that seemed to be kind of controversial for them and other language. And then ultimately Republicans in the Senate moved to really narrow the scope of SB 114. And that's that amended version is what we're talking about today. So instead of addressing discrimination, discrimination at state parks and other public recreation areas, the amended version of SB 114 would add just two new requirements to state law. First, the bill would require the Police Standards and Training Council to provide education and training to law enforcement officers on de-escalation, ethics, implicit bias, and cultural diversity. To be clear, all law enforcement officers in New Hampshire must complete the council's training requirements. It's almost like licensing in a way. Second, SB 114 would require every law enforcement agency to develop a policy for their officers regarding de-escalation, ethics, implicit bias, cultural diversity, and how to handle incidents that could violate the state civil rights act. Right. Now, from what I understand, the training requirement in SB 114 actually mirrors a 2020 recommendation from the Commission on Law Enforcement Accountability, Community, and Transparency, that commission that you mentioned earlier. Correct. Correct. For anyone who is interested, that commission is abbreviated LEACT, and you can head to governor.newhampshire.gov slash accountability to see a summary of all of their recommendations and which ones have been implemented. And so this one in particular, last December, the Police Standards and Training Council, Council, excuse me, voluntarily moved to adopt the new training requirements on implicit bias and cultural responsiveness, ethics, and de-escalation. The council is proposing that officers complete two hours of annual training on each of those topics. The final step before implementing the training is it has to be approved by the Joint Legislative Committee on Administrative Rules, and they're expected to vote on the council's proposal later this year. So it's a lot of administrative levels and steps, but the gist is that the Police Standards and Training Council is moving forward with this. Right. Okay. So if the Police Standards and Training Council is already working to add this to the training, I think the real question is, why do we even need SB 114? So now we're getting into the pros and cons here. So SB 114 actually passed the Senate unanimously. At the time, Senator Jeb Bradley, he's a Republican from Wolfboro, said, quote unquote, this language, putting it into statute, would confirm that the legislature believes it's absolutely appropriate and necessary. Right. So in other words, SB 114 would kind of send a message about the importance of police training on de-escalation, ethics, implicit bias, and cultural diversity, stuff like that. And the bill would back up the training changes that are already underway way at that 
Police Standards and Training Council. And maybe this is one of the most important things. It would prevent the council from ever removing this training unless the legislature rewrote the state law. I think it's interesting to note here what law enforcement training requirements already appear in state law. When I was reading that section, it turns out that state law leaves most of the training requirements up to the police standards and training council. And obviously there are those checks and balances where the training council has to sort of get their rules approved by legislature. But the law only mentions two other specific areas that I found that police officers absolutely 100% have to have training. So first, the uh, RSA 106L colon 7, that requires training for dealing with quote unquote intoxicated and incapacitated persons. And then the next section of the law requires training on Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And that one was passed as part of this other bill that covered a lot of other state planning around the issues of Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, it it is really interesting when you think about those two were singled out as important enough to actually be written into the law. And yet when you look at the curriculum for the police academy, there are all kinds of topics that don't have that state law requirement from anywhere from like autism awareness to communicable diseases to meth labs and so on. And none of those are written into the state law. Yeah, I, I was tempted to go down a rabbit hole and see like <laughs> what, like when did they add these? Like, were there ever moments when people thought about adding a bill? Like, it, it gets very specific. And then there's also the obvious ones. Like, there's a cl- there's a section on animal abuse and obviously the use of force and blah blah blah. But mm. so anyway, if the legislature passes SB 114, I do think it would send a clear message that training on de-escalation ethics, implicit bias, and cultural diversity are of the utmost importance. Right. And so at this point, you know, we have to talk about the cons too. It kind of goes back to my question a few minutes ago. If the Police Standards and Training Council is already following the LEAC Commission's recommendations and adding this training, do we even really need to write it into state law? That's exactly what some members of the House Executive Departments and Administration Committee are saying. After SB 114 passed the Senate unanimously, got a pretty chilly reception in the House. Sort of the question was, why make a law at all? Right. And then there's also uh, some potential conflict here between SB 114 and HB 544. Listeners may not know that bill number, but they've probably heard people talking about it in the news. It's certainly not a lesser known bill. HB 544 is the one that would be a proposed ban on state trainings and school teachings that include so-called divisive concepts. The way those concepts are, are defined could cover inherent racism, critical race theory, and so on. So meanwhile, HB 114 would require training on implicit bias and cultural diversity, which I could see touching on some of what HB 544 wants to ban. So there could be that conflict. Yeah. And as a reminder to our listeners, the House added HB 544 to the state budget, which is currently getting debated in the state Senate. And it's unclear if HB 544 will survive the Senate process on the budget. But let's, you know, so that's kind of a whole other rabbit hole. So let's get back to SB 114. The last argument I heard in the House committee was that SB 114 should be restored to its original purpose, which was all about discrimination at state parks, whether people are leaving swastika to graffiti or you're out hiking a trail and someone tells you, you know, go back where you came from, whatever it is. Right, right. So to summarize the pro argument for this bill, SB 114, it's that it sends a clear message that the legislature supports police training on de-escalation, ethics, implicit bias, and cultural diversity. And then the con argument for the bill is that it's just not needed. It might 
spread what some feel are divisive concepts or that it actually doesn't do enough to protect people from discrimination, particularly at state parks. So, Anna, what should a listener do if they have an opinion about SB 114? The full House of Representatives will vote on SB 114 next time they meet, which isn't until June. It's going to be another couple of marathon voting days in June. So if you have an opinion on SB 114, you can contact your state representative anytime before them and ask them to vote a certain way on the bill. You can find who represents you on the Citizens Count website by clicking the elected officials section on our navigation bar. I think it's also worth mentioning here that there were several other bills for 2021 that were aimed at discrimination and policing. Many of those bills have been scaled back or killed this year, but listeners can find out more on those bills on our topic page covering criminal justice reform. So there's a link to the criminal justice reform page from a box about halfway down on the left on the homepage of our website, citizenscount.org. Okay, time for the fun part. Our segment, Only in New Hampshire. Anna, what fun Granite State factoid do you have for us today? Okay, this this is actually this is a lesser known bill from this year. And part of me was tempted to do an entire episode on it, but there there wasn't a lot of opposition to it. It sailed through pretty fast. So, I, you know, I figured we don't need to sit around and talk about it, but I'm totally bringing it up now. So, it was recently signed by Governor Sununu. I'm talking about HB 208, which repealed the licensing requirement for lightning rod dealers and salesmen. Believe it or not, until this year, there was an entire chapter of law regulating r- lightning rod sales in New Hampshire. And Mike, you may know what a lightning rod is. I had kind of this vague idea, but we'll just go ahead and reference good old Wikipedia. A lightning rod or lightning conductor, as it's known in England, is a metal rod mounted on a structure and intended to protect the structure from a lightning strike. If lightning hits the structure, it will preferentially strike the rod and be conducted to the ground through a wire instead of passing through the building where it could start a fire or cause electrocution. So listeners may recall Ben Franklin is credited with inventing the lightning rod in the United States. He put the kite up with the key and it got struck by lightning and he was like, Eureka, or whatever the little (laughs) tale is. Um, But so here's the interesting part, because in my mind, I'm like, why was there an entire chapter of law being like, who can sell these lightning rods door to door? Uh, Very intriguing to me. So I looked into it and I learned that evidently in the 1800s, lightning rod salesmen were really known as scammers. Hmm. So the deal is they'd show up to the family farm peddling their wares, say, you know, oh, your house is going to burn down (laughs) if you don't buy this rod. And then, Of of course, of course. And then they'd install them. And then afterwards they'd come back with a much higher price and be like, well, there was the fee for installation and blah, blah, blah. And do you want your house to burn down? And (laughs) it became such a thing about the famousness of like lightning rod salesmen just crawling the country selling their wares that Mark Twain even wrote a short story titled Political Economy. And it's really short if you want to read it. You can read it in about five minutes. And basically there's a political philosopher who's trying to explain his political theory. And he keeps on getting interrupted by a lightning rod salesman. And he ends up buying so many lightning rods that his house lights up like a firework. And he basically (laughs) gets trapped inside the house because lightning keeps striking it. Um, So, yeah, there's this whole thing with lightning rods. I had no idea. And New Hampshire passed its lightning rod salesman licensing law in 1878. So right around that same time when the lightning rod salesmen were crawling the world. Although, fun fact, um, I because I was Googling, as one does, and I've found that this is still a thing that happens. So, for example, I found a 2016 story from Wisconsin about a two-man team that was had a lightning rod scam in Wisconsin. They were going around to people saying, like, 
oh my gosh, you need a lightning rod. But they weren't, they weren't even installing lightning rods. They were just climbing up onto the roofs and basically just like, you know, walking around, making some noise and then peacing out. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. I mean, it's, it's timeless. Maybe this, you know, if, if coronavirus gets really bad again and, and we're out of work, maybe we can just turn to a lightning rod scam, but you know. But yeah. not really, because so the safety concern around lightning rod sales are obviously covered by the state fire code and the state electrical code and other consumer protection or else, you know, we wouldn't have repealed the law this year. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, it makes sense to me that you would need a lightning rod. But also, I guess I've never really heard of no one I know has ever had their house struck by lightning. I don't I'm, I'm never have mixed feelings on this. Never. I've, I, and, and of course now I'm questioning, like, is there, I live in a condo, like, is there one on my building? Do, should, should I care about this? I mean, it's a brick building. Pretty much the craziest thing that ever happens is, you know, sometimes there was this, this guy across the street who climbed out on the roof and was threatening people with fireworks, but that had nothing to do with bricks. <laughs> so I, I think we're safe. I think we're safe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, lightning rod scams. It's a thing. It's a thing, but New Hampshire law is no more. That's right. Watch out, folks. If somebody knocks on your door, the uh, the law has been repealed, so you never know. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for today's episode. You can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd also like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Granite State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by Mike Dunbar. Lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part what makes New Hampshire by the people, for the people. Mm-hmm.